Broadcasting from Houston, Texas, Jason Bible brings you all things real estate, investing, and Texas. Discover a no-nonsense approach to building wealth with real estate as Jason and his guests deep dive into landlord investing, wholesaling, flipping, lending, banking, money, and finance. Here's your host, Mr. Texas Real Estate himself, Jason Bible. We're going to talk a little about lending and defaults right now. Mm -hmm. I actually posted that, put an email out yesterday. We were chatting with a private lender last Mm -hmm. week. Four out of their 30 loans are performing, meaning 26 are non-performing. And when I posted that on Facebook, I haven't read all the email responses yet, but when I posted on Facebook, the fascinating thing is how many people said, oh, those guys don't know what they're doing. Like, there's no way. That's impossible. And I'm like, (laughs) you really don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, these guys don't know what they're doing. I thought that was hilarious. That was a good one, yeah. Oh, he's just doing it to increase the drama. I'm like, no, I just do that with the Trump memes. I don't really do that with... The real estate stuff. But anyways, a couple of people are non-believers out there. So we're going to talk about defaulted loans and the marketplace. And I'm going to start the show off with this. If you've got a deal you've done, you've lent someone some money and they're not able to pay you back. Give us a call. We'd like to take a look at that deal. Maybe we buy the note. We help you through the foreclosure process. Just reach out to us so we can help you. But I think people are greatly discounting how much real estate investors are hurting right now. Sure. Now, this sounds weird because I come on the show every day and say, bye, bye, bye. It's a great time. It's a great time. It's a great time. It's a great time provided you can get properties rehabbed and get tenants in them, or you can get properties rehab and you get them sold. And I think there were a handful of investors out there that weren't doing great before COVID. And in a COVID world, it's kind of turned into a mess. Right. And full disclosure from me, I suffered at the end of Harvey. Yes. Right. I took some big hits and we're still got some things that are being paid back and structured it all and talked to the partners and some partners just ran to the hills, left me holding the bag, but I've made efforts, got another flip coming up. Right. So I understand exactly how it happens. Mm -hmm. I know from experience how it happens. And part of the problem is that we're having now is the takeout financing. Yes. Right. Which wasn't the problem in Harvey. The problem with Harvey is everything lost 50% value. Yeah. At least in the short term. Right. And I'm just now selling two houses that I had from Harvey. Yeah. And those are typically the higher end homes. It wasn't the lower end stuff. That all was just fine. In fact, there's a tale of two Harvey properties. I've got my property in West Houston. You've got a couple that are flips. The one in West Houston is almost doubled in value, whereas (laughs) the ones that you've got- a hit are yep. still taking a loss, right? So when people say, oh, Jason, well, this is what happens in a marketplace. I'm like, no, that's not true because right. you've got different price points. You have different sides of town, all that sort of stuff. So I do want to disclose that because I don't want you to feel like, hey, we're just picking on people. It's as close to home as anything else. I took a quarter million dollar loss right. on a house in Harvey. Quarter mil, 250 Gs. We go through the same problems that everyone else is. We're not perfect. But what we're seeing out there is the takeout financing problem. So a lot of the guys, including us, have done a lot of properties with hard money or private lenders. And then the expectation is to roll them into 5, 10, 20, 30-year mortgages. And when that all went away during the initial parts of COVID, Right, we we joke around. There's there's the hard the non QM guys. We're here for you. We've been here for you, except where we didn't pick up the phone for six weeks. Right? Yeah, yeah. Except that point. 
So we're seeing that on the street in a big, big way. You know what I'm thinking we need to do? We need to change a little bit of terminology here. Let's change non-QM to commercial lending. Yes. I think that's probably, we were having some conversations with some bankers. I thought it was interesting. They were like, so what's non-QM? I'm like, well, you guys are non-QM, right? I was thinking about that this past weekend. I'm like, we all just call it commercial lending. When you guys go out and get a single family house, when you buy a single family house in your name, you're getting a Fannie or Freddie loan. That's right. not a commercial loan. It's a government backed, government subsidized, a good way to put it. It's a government subsidized. I know we got all these guys on Facebook that are like, like, want to be libertarians and you know, gung-ho conservatives, but they all suck that government teat when yep. it comes to loans. So that's why your interest rate is 3%. That's not a naturally occurring rate is probably a better way to put it. It's government-backed. That's why it's so cheap. It's government cheese for housing. And that's what the vast majority of mortgages out there are government cheese mortgages, which is fine. Just Everybody just realize that. That's what it is. I know everybody wants to be anti, quote, the man. Guess what? You're, like a cheese. You like your cheese. So mm. that's what your 3% Fannie Mae loan is. So when we start talking about commercial loans, that's right. a whole different deal. So we had all these commercial loan brokers that have been sending us emails for the last couple of months telling us how they're still here and they're for us. And you guys, I mean, we're always been here. And we're like, no, you weren't. Because the first four months of COVID, y'all didn't even pick up the phone. Right. Just crickets. Could've, Total crickets. This is what's so stupid about that. They could have been gobbling up market share, yes. just like we did, just doing webinars once a week. Hey, guys, we're going to have the CEO of right. XYZ Lending on the call today. I know we're not lending right now. It's kind of crazy. Let's get them on the call. And talk. All right, Just like so, what we're doing right now. Like exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> if I owned one of those companies, it was like, all right, here comes the CEO. And then next week, we're going to have the risk management team, the, the head risk yes. officer. Yes. And he's going to explain to you what's going on in the secondary market. And this is why we can't. They could have gobbled up so much market share because everybody would have been watching going, oh, Oh, now it all makes yeah. sense. And we, they would have been sending... De- and I, I, this is what I would have said too. Hey guys, go ahead and send us your deals. We're going to put them in process. Now we're not closing anything, but at least like, let's mm-hmm. kind of start looking at these things. And then they would have picked the cream of the crop. Literally sure day one, the market would have opened and boom, they would have just gobbled them well, up. The but, anyways, prob- well, but the problem was they were terrified. Of course they're terrified. They were terrified, terrified that it wasn't, it was never coming back. We talked to two lenders who really specifically said to us, I didn't think I was going to have a job here today. Yes. I thought the whole business was going under. Right. But you know what? It didn't. But here's more importantly. Okay, let's say it did. It's 18 months. Right. Like, you just play it out. That's the part I don't get about all these losses. Like, everybody thinks it's roses and it's great and everything's fantastic all the time. Like, there's going to be bumps in the road. All you got to do is just get over the bumps. And if you're the guy that gets over the, or gal that gets over the bumps the best, you're going to win big long term. So that's why I didn't understand. I still don't get that short-term mindset. Yes, you don't know. The business might not be here tomorrow, but it might survive. Right. So this is placed perfectly into what we're going to talk about next. How many folks during 2008 or Harvey or what's going on in Lake Charles in Louisiana right right now? It's a bloodbath there from the hurricane. And they're looking at another storm rolling in what? Next couple of days by the end of the week. So, you know, I was thinking about this. I had a really rough bike ride yesterday. It was brutal. I thought the cold front was a real cold front. It's not. 95 is still too hot to be out there in the middle of the day. (laughs) There's a classic kind of saying in the cycling world. And a lot of people don't understand this. The difference between people who are serious cyclists and those who aren't are the ones that pedal downhill. Like you're pedaling downhill. Like, what do you mean I get to pedal downhill? I get to coast. No, that's not how this works. Right. Keep going. You pedal downhill because you know you're going to reach another hill. And if you've got all that momentum going down the hill, coming up the next hill is not as hard. You're just rolling that speed from the next. So if all these guys were pedaling downhill and then when the next uphill comes, it's not as bad. 
I got to tell you, I uh, was enjoying the pool at the New Crib yesterday, mm. and they are not, when all the pool guys told me, this is the biggest pool I've ever owned, and it's real deep, and I did not understand how cool that thing can get, like, as in temperature-wise. Yeah. Because half of it's shaded, and the deep end shaded, and they're like, that's where all your cold water comes from. I got in yesterday, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Going to need a heater during the summer. Mine was still cold, too. <laughs> so, in any case, we're talking about loans, and maybe a better way to say this is deals gone bad. So, we were chatting with a private lender this week, and he said, hey, I got four out of 30 loans, and only four performing, and those are the four you guys have. So, Rob and I had this conversation. We never missed a payment during all the coronavirus stuff. Not one. And he's not the only one we've talked to that has said that, He's had borrowers that are just not paying. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing you guys on Facebook to keep writing stuff on there like, Jason, that can't be true. I'm like, we know more than a couple private lenders. And a lot of them are saying 40, 50, 60% of their portfolio is not performing, meaning they're not paying. Right. And then all these people come in and say, well, Jason, then maybe they weren't that good investor in the first place. And but and I'm like, well, if that were the case, they'd have a fund and bank lines of credit and everything else. So you've got to realize that one of the reasons that some people go to private lenders is because hard money lenders turned them down. Sure. Can you imagine giving a loan to somebody that Eddie and Johnny turned down? I mean, because they'll do, don't get me wrong, they don't do risky stuff. Right. But if it looks like a good deal, they'll work with you to get the deal done, right? Sure. So actually, you know what? We ought to have the guys on the show and say, what's the most common reason a deal doesn't close? Mm-hmm. My guess is one is reserves and the uh, two is appraisals and three is they don't think the guy can get the deal done. Yeah. In other words, they don't think they can manage the rehab, that sort of thing. So when they get rejected by a hard money lender, then somebody goes out and finds a private lender who is definitely not as experienced as the guys over at Jet Lending, right? They look at thousands of deals a year. And in fact, they look at the same deal from different investors multiple mm-hmm. times, right? Yep. As an asset gets shopped around the marketplace. So the reality is, is lenders, private lenders end up doing those more risky deals. Well, what happens? Well, when there's a little bit of trouble in the marketplace, right? those deals start falling apart. Again, so the trouble that we have seen is the takeout financing, meaning, hey, we bought these 10 houses with the intention of rolling them over into long term. And then the commercial mortgage world shut down for COVID. And when it came back, it looked nothing like it did before. No. It wasn't like your favorite nail salon closing and opening up and there you go. Because, you know, you definitely have a favorite nail salon, Jason. Anyway, it didn't come back the way it was. And now all of a sudden it was loan to cost versus loan to value. So we went from loan to value, whereas if I were 70% of ARV, Mm -hmm. I could be into the deal with little money out of pocket. Yep. Well, now the commercial lending environment says it's loan to cost. Right. Meaning we will lend you 70% of your all-in costs. So it's up to 80, some places 85, but it's going to be 85% of the cost up to 70% of value. So you got 15% skin in the game at least. At least. And then that's going to slow down people, their ability to refi out their properties. Because now they have to go raise an extra twenty-five, dollars $30,000, $40,000, $50,000. Yeah. Which, that hurts. Yeah. Right? We we have a fund. We have a reserve. You know, we're okay there. So that's why we've been able to sort of weather this storm. But we're watching these these commercial lenders come back to the marketplace, and it's all over the place. Yes. It's as low as, we found it as low as 5.5%, as high as 7.5%. Points are up and down. Fees are all different now. And the big thing is loan to cost and prepayment. Yes. So now they're doing loan to cost, which makes you bring more money to the table, and they want three, six, nine, 12 months of payments up front. 
And reserves. And reserves. And cash reserves on top of that. So you could be looking at 15% down plus 12 months of reserves Mm -hmm. plus 12 months of prepaid reserves. Yes. So when you start looking at a little $100,000 property, you're bringing 15 grand to closing plus the prepayment, which is probably another 12 grand. 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. Plus having another 10 to 12 grand sitting in a checking account somewhere as reserves. It's $25,000 to close a $100,000 deal. And so here's what we see in our mastermind and elsewhere. It's like, hey, I found this guy who's going to do four and a half percent. I'm like, great. Let me know when it closes. Yes. Right? Because there are tons of commercial guys out there telling you how great their programs are and how low it is. But when we get to the table, it's like, wait a minute. I thought you said 70. Why are you only funding 62? Mm-hmm. Well, we looked at the appraisal. The appraisal came back at 165. Yeah. What's the problem? And the issue is, is remember, the, I'll take a step back in a second here. The issue is someone doesn't feel comfortable. If someone's money is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And again, here's the thing. We did this in uh, money coaching. Loan officers lie. They are not the underwriter. They are not the processors. Loan officers is a fancy word for salesperson. Yes. And- If you believe the sales guy, you're always doomed, right? So I know used car sales guys don't have the best reputation. Loan officers are selling you used money. Yes. They will absolutely lie to you, bold face, right to your face. We had 19 of them lie to us on (laughs) two apartment complexes in Corpus Christi. It got so bad, it obliterated my credit for a good, oh. we're still kind of getting out of it. So about 12 months, I had 19 inquiries from loan officers that just lied and lied yep. and lied. It was crazy. So much so that you can't even apply for loans at this point. I can. They're just not cheap. They're That's not the cheap. Problem, so right? we're using mine and I'm I'm, lacking, I'm stacking up the inquiries now. So, I mean, these are the problems that we're having and, and I'm, I'm guessing we're not alone. And the problem is, once you start getting hits on your credit, all of a sudden, there's an in. There's a gap in the armor now that they can pierce and say, well, Jason, you looked at your credit. It's not that strong as it used to be. We might have to do 60% loan to value here. And a higher rate. And And a higher rate. And more points and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, those little chinks in the armor open up and you can't refi. Mm -hmm. Right? So, again... We've experienced this to some degree, but we can understand how folks out there who are playing this. Here's the big one that makes me really nervous. I would go get a mortgage, and then I would take that house, and I would lease option it back to other ones. There's a couple of guys mm. who are doing that with private money. That makes me terrified. Yeah, That's not as strong. I have a house, and if I can't get a refi on it, I can sell it. I yes. still have 30% in it. Correct. So these are the things that we're facing, we're seeing in the market. Again, we're hearing there's lots of great rates, but I'm not hearing from anyone who closed. And we come back, we're going to talk about the whole appraisal fiasco that's going on right now in the marketplace. That is only going to get worse. It is not getting any better anytime soon. So Robert and Jason here from Mr. Texas Real Estate. Check us out on our website, mrtxre.com. MR for Mr. TX for Texas. RE for Real Estate. mrtxre.com. I think what everyone needs to understand, there's a very sort of amateur view on this. Okay. Maybe like a layman, right? Not quite understanding it. And if you're in a bad deal, do not do what I did. (laughs) If you're in a bad deal and it looks like, hey, I'm not going to get out of this or I'm going to take substantial resources and capital, Mm -hmm. it's okay to go back to your lender and say, I can't do this. 
Yeah. It's not working. That would be much, much preferred. We, we talked about it the other day. We had a friend of ours who was 10 houses deep into bad deals. Yes. Really bad deals. And he called up a mentor of mine and his, and the mentor said, you need to go and file BK right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. And that was like six years ago. Yep. Right now, file BK. It's business. These are LLCs. Everyone understands this is business. It's investing. Everyone should understand that we all have our big boy pants on and file BK and protect mm-hmm. yourself. He didn't. Tried to force some way out of it. Got into worse and worse deals. Mm-hmm. More and more bad deals. Made bad deals. Burnt tons of bridges and still has debt six years later. Yeah. Lawsuits, liens, judgments, just a mess. Yeah. He should have went BK. Yep. When I look back at it, the day after Harvey, I should have filed BK protection. Mm. I didn't. I stayed in there and tried to work it out. And I, what I've wound up doing now is putting $100,000 of my money in just to make it better for other folks. And I'm still not quite out of it. We're close, but not out of it. Yeah. If you are suffering from COVID and going through it, it might be an option. Yes. Again, we're in a real world here. And if you think this is you're dragging on and on, if it's been 90 days and you haven't even... Th- sniffed a refi Mm -hmm. you might want to say have that conversation with i don't know what to do how do i get out of this versus don't worry i'm almost there i'm almost there real estate investors that one to five year real estate investor mm-hmm. always has this sort of unlimited hope that things are going to turn around. This is uh, that term you introduced me to last yeah. week, toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. Yeah. That they're going to be able to spin it around. I could do another flip. I could do another flip. And again, I'm speaking from 100% experience. If it's going to be more than six months, you need to sit down and have a really hard self-think and self-conversation that what will this do? Well, and the conversation with the lender is, this is how I would approach the conversation. Mm -hmm. We're trying to protect as much principal as you have. Yes. Like there's no way you're getting interest. There's no way. The market's collapsed. Right. There's nothing else we can do. We're pushing up against, again, to go back and say, when Tesla fell 25% last week, right. I'm sure you didn't throw a fit, call Tesla, yeah. and pull all your money out. Pull right? your money I mean, out, yeah. And, go and on Facebook. And go on Facebook. Trash and, Elon. This yeah, guy screwed me. This guy screwed me. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not how that works. So this is no different in that, all right, so we've got a problem here, and here's the problem. I'm just trying to protect your principal at this point. Now, what does that look like? Does that look like... Do we hold on to this thing for a little bit longer as the market recovers? Is it my, the classic one you always hear is contractors disappeared, you know, in the middle of the coronavirus nonsense, and I had to find another guy and another guy and another guy. I need another 10 grand just to get this thing over the goal line. So maybe you'll lose 10 grand instead of 30, right? Because it's not completely rehab. Right. So there's some of these strategies where you got to sit down and say, okay, look, we locked in losses the day either you bought it or the day this coronavirus stuff started, right? Like the losses started there. Yes. So let's back into how do we save as much money as we can right. and get out of this deal. In some of those cases, it's contacting somebody like you and I mm-hmm. so we can go look at it and go, all right, guys, here's the plan. Like here are the couple of ways we can do this. We could buy the note. We could help you guys do the rehab, whatever it is, and uh, get you out of that deal because we've done this a million times. Because the joke we had years ago was we were the private lender lender bailout team for Houston. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We would get phone calls all the time, typically out of state borrowers and lenders. Hey, Jason, I met you in Florida at some event. My friend Bob, he and I are in the same real estate club here in Minneapolis. And we bought a flip in Westbury in Houston. And it's been a year and a half and he hasn't paid me any interest. And you know what do I do next? I'm like, well, give me the address. What's the key box code? Let me go look at it. And you know, you start looking at it and go, oh, this guy may have just embezzled the construction funds. I mean, yeah. you don't know, right? Until so you go... 
Yeah, until you go out there. So the reality is, is like you got to start handling these things now. Let's back into, all right, how do we mitigate future damage and how we reduce the losses you're already experiencing? But I've seen a lot of these private lenders that if they don't set the deal up right from the get-go, and I will say this, I honestly believe that there are, I know this to be true, there are a handful of private lenders out there that absolutely take advantage of new investors. Sure. They have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They get into a deal just so the lender can take it back. I know there are lenders in Southern California that do this as a matter of practice. Yep. And I know there are folks that do it here in Houston. So when you hear some of these stories, take some of it with a grain of salt where you go, well, I don't, tell me more about the deal. Did the lender take advantage of a borrower? That happens. Remember, these are commercial loans. These aren't like residential consumer loans where you have all these consumer protections. When you jump into that hard money, private money, commercial loan space, one of the jokes is for all the apartments and buildings out here that day one, you're in default of some covenant somewhere in that loan. (laughs) Yeah. I I kid you not. That's a total thing (laughs) in the industry. Classic Steve Newsome note, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like they will all, all the attorneys will tell you this. Day one, you close that commercial loan, (laughs) you are probably in violation of one of the covenants. (laughs) It's just, they can literally foreclose any time. So you've got to keep this in mind when you're hearing these stories about, well, some guy got three houses foreclosed on. I'm like, okay, we'll explain those deals. what they look like? what the loan docs look like? Again, so we're at six months now outside of COVID from the March 12th for you, March 15th when I came back from Florida, that everything, the world shook. We're seeing light at the tunnel, right? So there are commercial loans out there for five, seven, 10 years. There are commercial loans out there for Airbnb products. The local banks now are drooling over our small apartments. We're meeting with, I think, three more this week. And so all the stuff that we have, we're going to be able to take care of. That's fine. Because we had a super huge reserve fund. Yes. Right. That's kind of how we got through it. Luck and operating agreement notes that, hey, we're never going to go below this number. There's always going to be reserve. We got to carry one year on our books, that type of thing, which put us in a strong position, which comes from 10 years, 15 years of experience here. Mm -hmm. Right. We've did do that and on other stuff, in the, at least I haven't, in the past, right? And so you, you learn from your mistakes and move forward. But you're coming out of it now where you're going to be able to do refi it, mm-hmm. right? If it's, again, short-term rentals, you're going to be able to find that loan now. You're going to find portfolio loans between 4 and 5%. Yeah. And you're going to find straight up local bank loans. All of it now is a ton of paperwork and takes forever to get an appraisal done. Yes. We haven't even started talking about appraisals no, yet. You know, we'll save that for the next show. Because okay. we got one more segment we can wrap this stuff up here with. There's an avenue here, and it's you've got to take the look to say, wow, the lending requirements went up. I'm not as strong financially as I was a year ago when I first bought this project. And so it might be time. Here's the other exit. We'll come back and talk to this in depth. Put it on the market. Hey, if you want to check us out, go to our website, mrtxre.com. MR is in Mr. TX is in Texas. RE is in real estate. MRTXRE.com. We've got some updated pictures of our real estate center. Ooh, the real estate We've center. We've tweaked it a little bit. And we're about to have our swag store coming up. Oh, can't wait. Yes. Can't wait. So you can buy our t-shirts. We need some temporary tattoos. I told some folks this weekend. Oh, like, that'd be badass. We need some Mr. Texas tattoos nice. on you. Nice. So, yeah, I think that something for the face, I think. Mm-hmm. 
big tattoo right on the cheek or on I the keep neck. looking at Mike Tyson thinking, you know what? In retrospect, that wasn't a bad decision. He yeah, looks badass. Yeah, he does. He, does. he still looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you know, I saw some pictures. Um, he was talking. Oh, he was on Joe's show. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but one of the quotes is he did some 30-second like crazy round, right? And he was like, I was in bed for like a week after yeah. that. And you look at a guy like that at his age and you're just like, and how lean he's getting. He's getting into competition shape now. Right. $31 million. Yeah. It's crazy. Just the amount of commitment it takes to, yep. to get to that level. Just when is the fight? I hadn't even. I don't know. Have they picked a date yet? No, I don't think they have. So if anybody knows the, the date of the Tyson fight, that'd be great to put on, yeah. uh, put in the comments. I'd love to know. I don't know. I got my phone here, but. That's going to make so much money that it's fight. It's going to make a ridiculous amount of money. You think we ought to go to, it's in Vegas, right? No, we're not going to that. That'd be great. You don't think we? Nope. It's not going to be cheap, but to see it live would be. I'd rather awesome. go to poor behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's funny. Speaking of, do we have our D and D night set up yet? I don't know, Brian. If you're watching, no, we get to go out. Wednesday night, Wednesday so night, I think we'll get started at like seven, if I'm not mistaken. I'll get some of the details worked out this week, but it'd be pretty sweet. So we're talking about the refi world and what's going on. We're talking about reason why some investors can't get out of their private money loans or the other loans, hard money loan, and we're no different, right? So again, I talked about it last night. I'll say it again. We're no different. We've had to extend loans. We've, but we communicate well with our, our lenders. We're suffering. Everything else is suffering. The loan to value changed the loan to cost. Now there's prepayments involved, which makes closing costs a lot more expensive. We're looking at this market, deciding what assets to keep, which ones to, to deploy so that we can make sure that we have our reserves. Everything that everyone else is, is happening with, it's happening to us as well. So we have to go through this stuff over and over and the over. The fight's November 28th. Oh, nice. Ooh. Right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be in Disney. Isn't that when we're going to be in Disney? That, no, this will be the night before we leave. You want to go we're to Vegas? There. No, I don't want to go to Vegas. Come on, man. No. Well, Brian and I are going to be on- You the... can go to Vegas. You'll be there in earlier that month. Don't say why. Oh, I can't say why. No, no, oh, no, no, don't say oh, why. Oh, I almost let that little no, cat no, out of the bag, no, didn't don't I? Don't Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want it to be a surprise. Yes. Hey, what are you boys doing here? <laughs> In Vegas, in the middle of COVID. So, nothing? again, we're watching the commercial loan world change. We've watched hard money change. It's absolutely different. And we're seeing all the, again, the same issues that everyone else is seeing. We just had more reserve than most people. And by design, right? By legal design. By legal design. In, That's our, how we set no, it up. in yeah. our business, right? We cannot go below a certain number. And if we do, we have to deploy assets. We've got to liquidate assets, liquidate right? Assets. To, yep. to raise mm -hmm. cash. So, but we're also playing, I mean, obviously, I love tooting our own horn here, but yeah. we're playing big boy game now. Right. This we, is have, big boy. we have our big boy pants on. And so we're seeing folks out there that might be struggling. And again, from my personal experience, I know how dark and how painful it is. And. Looking back in retrospect for Harvey, I should have went BK yep. immediately. The day after, I should have filed for Chapter 11 protection mm -hmm. and just told everyone, hey, I don't know what's deals off, here, game's over, look what happened. Yeah, I got a house that's under six feet of water. And let me explain this to everybody. They were insured for flood. Yep. Damage. No, we got $70,000 in, in uh, flood insurance. So this wasn't that they couldn't figure. It's the fact that the values eroded by 25% overnight. 429 was the ARV, mm -hmm. and I just now have it under contract for 350 Yeah, three years later. Right? Yeah, my it's, refi when I had a game came in at like low threes. Which is crazy. You have $100,000 out of the property. This is one of those things that, well, you know, we need to talk about this on our, our private money notes. Yep. But we 
we ought to start putting acts of God stuff in there because it's like I'm not responsible for Corona. Right. I mean, think about if this had gone the opposite way and real estate, like let's say it turned into a real pandemic. Yep. Now, I don't want to say real one, but I mean, the mortality rate was 7%. Right. Hell, just the 2% that they originally projected, right? Well, the IFR is still, the IFR and the CFR are still hovering around 3%. I mm. haven't looked at it in a while, but which means the incident and the case fatality rate, if you actually present at the hospital, there's a, there's a good chance you're going to 3%, 4% chance you're going to die. That's yeah. crazy. Imagine if that were 10 Right. And it's not as simple as treating with the math plus protocol or any of these other protocols that these guys have developed over the last couple of months. Imagine if if it were that rate that we saw early on Mm -hmm. or it mutated in something else. And we're looking at I don't think people understand law of large numbers. Right. There's so many people infected, so many actually so many people who've not been infected yet that once we start opening up the country, we're going to see that play out in real time. But just a few percentage points here or there turns this into, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people dying to the death rate tripling. Right. You and I's prediction, which I think is still true, by the time this thing ends, and we predict this back in February, it'll be between 400 and 700,000 Americans that will have died from this thing yeah. over the two-year period. And I believe that to, we're almost at 200,000 already. Mm-hmm. So I believe that number will come out to be true. Imagine if it were double that. Like, and what people don't understand, uh, Elon Musk had this great comparison. Somebody said, hey, Elon, are there aliens out there? He's like, look, man, if there were aliens out there, Defense Department would have put that out. It would have been a boon for the industry. Yep. He said, you don't understand a 10% variance in how close we are or far away we are from the sun means there's no life on this planet. <laughs> right. like, it's very, very rare. Yes. Like what people don't understand, it's that little nuance, right? It's that little deviation. Yes. So when you have a storm blow in and your property decreases in value by 15 or 20%, as a flipper, you're done. Right. Yeah, had that, had that storm hit Beaumont like we thought it was two days before versus hitting Lake Charles, we would have had some major problems on our hands, right? Yeah. Well, because the next storm after Harvey hit Beaumont. It yep. was... Uh, What's Imelda? Which one? Was, one uh, I don't think it was Imelda. It was Imelda hit Surfside. Yes. It, Imelda came Surfside, in through Freeport. Yep. Mm-hmm. So by the way, if everyone's like, oh, Jason, you know, we don't want to buy all those assets. The eye wall landed on one of our houses, right? <laughs> and it was just fine. Like It was like a two or cat three. It blew yep. through. It was no big deal. So you're doing these a percentage point at a time, right? Sure. So 10, 20, 15, 20% for a flipper is devastating. Yep. For a landlord, it's nothing. Right. Right. We're like, we just keep renting it. It's flooded. We fix it. I've got uh, actually one of our duplexes actually did flood during Harvey. Mm -hmm. We fixed it. But back on the market, guess what? Rents went up 10%. If they went down 10%, we'd still be making money. But the reality is, is that in the flipping world, that doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. It hurts. Trust me, I know. Yeah, so when you look at what Harvey did to this market, Memorial's a good example. Devastated that market. Yep. Absolutely devastated. I'm convinced that's why I was able to sneak in and buy that one at Spring Branch, even though Spring Branch doesn't seem to have any problems selling properties. They're not in the floodway. Mm-hmm. So now what's going to be wild is no more storms for the next two years, and those values will blow past what they yeah, were people before Harvey. Yep. In Houston, it, we've got about a five-year memory on real estate. Like once the storm blows through and there's a little recovery, five years later, everyone forgets all about it. Same thing in Jersey, same thing in in New Orleans, right? Yeah. Putting everything back Mm -hmm. in five years, celebrating it like it didn't happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a temporary blip on the radar. However, if you're one of those flippers, you just get crushed. Yeah, we got devastated. Absolutely crushed. And I guess that's when all the partners washed away. (laughs) The flood took all the storm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how we do? Really bad. Yeah. We're under six feet of water and CNN's in a rowboat in front of our house. I will never forget. I'm giving a <laughs> seminar in Dallas and I'm sitting upstairs and I'm watching the news coverage. And I took a picture of, of this 
screen. I think I sent it to you and somebody else. I yeah. said, hey, uh, I know you guys got a project down there. How close is it? He said, you see that roof behind the convenience store? <laughs> That's us. That's us. And there was a big old John Deere tractor and a wave runner yep. in the intersection doing donuts. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think it's got some water in it. Yeah, boys. it's got some water. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's got a little water in it. So, And, and again, prop- property. Then we went over more time to repair more hard money fees and then we lost a hundred thousand more than a hundred thousand dollars in appraised value that went out the door and you know i'm writing check after check after check to keep yeah, the thing so afloat let's, let's go through this process you sure. experience a loss could be fire could be flood could be yep. snow whatever mm-hmm. you finally get the insurance company to write a check yep so you're floating the construction the entire time yes they finally write you a check yes but then you're re-rehabbing it's another three, yes. four month rehab. Yes. And then you put it back on the market. And nobody's buying down there. And nobody's buying anything because yep. it's flooded. But because then, all the houses around me are still gutted. Right. With fir- I'm literally about to go on the market and there's still piles of debris in front of people's houses. Well, I will never forget when we had bought one over on the west side of town. We rehabbed. We were the first, one of the first ones on the market. Right. And you drive into the neighborhood and it looks like downtown Mogadishu. Still, You're like, yeah. this is a $600,000 house yep. and there's still trash piled up. Yeah. Yep. In the, it was crazy, right? How do you sell a house in a, an environment like that? You can't, right? You don't. Yeah. You don't. It sits. So if you're not going to rent it, even my rental, it was kind of wild. Once it flooded, we bought it, rehabbed it. It sat for a little while before it rented. So let me tell you the other problem. So, okay, we got the insurance money. Let's get the cruise back out there. Oh, wait. There's no cruise. There's no cruise. That's right. So now we're going spending more time with lesser crews charging me more money mm-hmm. And we're just limping along, limping along, limping along. It takes us seven months to get it all done. Do you remember how hard it was to get sheetrock? Just couldn't get it, yeah. You couldn't get sheetrock. Appliances were a huge problem. You start having these regional supply shocks. Even if you had all the money, all the crews, you couldn't even get the materials in in time. All the while you're beating, you're trying to beat the clock, right? You're trying to beat the clock and you're just pumping more and more of your own cash into the project, taking a second out with your buddy. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, I'm in here for about 500,000 with the insurance money and everything else. I got 500,000 and I'm today I'm selling it for 350. Yes. There's a loss. There's a big loss. There's a loss there. And so when you've got investors lined up, you've got to communicate that. And if the, more importantly, the guy, the partner who was supposed to be the investor liaison was out gone. the door. Yeah. He's the first guy out. He's gone. <laughs> so he's long gone. I'm there. I'm like, all right, hey, here's what's going on. We're going to sit on these houses until the market comes back and sell them. And the way we're going to carry it is I'm going to keep putting my own money in. Yeah. I've done that now for two and a half years. So three years now, right? Yeah. So we're turning a corner. But man, in retrospect, that next day, hey, all bets are off. Yeah. I'm out, right? And I should have took that insurance money and paid, just dispersed it amongst people, gave the note back and said, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I didn't. There were people involved. There were good friends involved. Like we were with Jet Lending. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't screw those guys over. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put my own money in. I don't want to blow this relationship. I like them. They've been super helpful to me. So I'm making sure I'm paying my Jet note. I'm talking to my investors, letting them know it's not good, but I think we can have come back. And then when I put it on the market and I realized that I'm nowhere close to the price I need. Yeah. Like I'm willing to lose my money and someone else's money in the deal, but even there, I still can't do it. Yeah. And so now three years later, we're on the market. We're under contract. We're going to sell that mm-hmm. house. House is beautiful. Hasn't flooded since. Mm-hmm. Everything is, looks wonderful. It's a great place. We're under, or again, we're under contract. We're going to sell it. It's going to be fantastic. And only now can I think about starting to pay some of these people back. Right. If this is you from COVID, file BK, right? And 
As much as I love Eddie and Johnny, and if you have a note with them, <clears throat> I'm telling you, the stress and the 60 pounds you're going to put on <laughs> for three years of carrying this around with you, it's not worth it. Or call us up and we'll see if we can bail you out. Because if it's a rental, a possible rental, we're having interest on it. Well, we bought a foreclosure from Johnny and Eddie. Yep. And as they put it, I thought they were doing it just kind of sell us the deal, if you will. But they were right. They were like, you guys are the only ones that can turn this one around. We turned yeah. it into an Airbnb. It is crazy booked. Yeah. Like, we can't even get into... F- it's I think it's for one- the next two and a half months. Yeah, so... When we bought it, we've got a business model nobody else in town can replicate. So we think the ARV is probably three fifty-five. Yeah, and we're all in at maybe two ninety. Yeah, it's a, I mean that's including the furniture and everything. Yeah, that includes all the Airbnb stuff. Yep. And we spent probably thirty grand on furniture and yep. beds and big all that. House. It's a big house, but we have a business model that most people couldn't do, couldn't pull that off. Right. So if you're in the middle of one of these deals and you're like, oh, I don't know, like I keep looking at, should we be doing Airbnbs in Westbury? It's right there in the medical center. Let's see what happens with these two in the Heights. Okay. So I'm not sold quite yet on inner loop. Inner loop Airbnbs yeah. yet. Interesting. So if you guys have got some of those deals that are going south, two eight one. 401 So the other question should be, well, you guys were impacted by COVID. So why didn't you take your own advice and file for BK? And I'll answer that with, we have a completely different business model now. All right. Like we don't have a flipping business model. Yeah, we don't have that. That that was bad. We just buy and put renters in them. So they're cash flowing. Well, what happens if the market changes like it has now and you have the possibility of renters not making payments? Simple. We're going to section eight. Yeah. Moving to section so eight. The, the most we have to carry is six, eight months. Mm-hmm. of no payments but we just don't have one house by the end of next month we have 271 doors right so it's like we don't have to carry it's not like a flipper who's got five houses and now they have five houses with no income yep. that just got flooded and they're worth less than they are today and we have assets like we look at two yeah. of our assets it's like hey should we sell these that'll put about two hundred fifty thousand dollars back in our coffers mm-hmm. do we need it can, how can we deploy it best are we going to need it to close this other loan over here so we have the, the luxury of options yes and when you're flipping and it goes bad there are very few options if you guys want to reach out to us in any way, shape, or form, talk about Mastermind, talk about investing, talk about all this other good stuff, 281-401-9008. Just text us, 281-401-9008. If you are in a deal, if you're a lender mm-hmm. or a borrower that is just going sideways, feel free to give us a call. And uh, it would help if both parties are still communicating, let me yes. put it that way. Mm-hmm. So we can get everybody together and say, all right, guys, let's take a look at this thing. Rob can take a look at the rehab. We can sit down and run the numbers and say, all right, here's what we can do. Now, I will tell you this. You mentioned something at the end of the last segment, which I right. think is totally true. Go ahead and put it on the market. Yep. Because there are folks like us, mm-hmm. there are funds and a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. people that are buying things outside of the normal kind of market pricing is a good way to put it. Yes. We've gone in and bought assets. Well, let me put it this way. We put them under contract, had no idea what they were worth. We just knew they would cash flow a whole lot. Right. Whether that's Airbnb or short-term rentals or a long-term rental situation, we've got exit strategies at our disposal that mm-hmm. most people don't have. We are blessed with assets. Yes. And we got a ton of assets, right? Yeah. So a good example is we bought that fourplex in the Heights. We were going to do all long-term rentals, but now we're talking about Airbnb in the front two units. So it's even more yep. profitable for us. So we maybe we could have paid a little bit more. Yep. So the reality is, is if you've got a property or a group of properties or notes that are just not performing... 
because of all this coronavirus stuff, because the market's changed a little bit. Maybe refinance becomes an issue, rehab, whatever it is. Give us a text at 281-401-9008, 281-401-9008, and just shoot us a text and we'll get together with everybody and we'll get it all sorted out. So if you're just the flipper, right? Again, this is we're going to go way, way back to what what we started 20 months ago. If you're the flipper, you don't have assets. No, you probably don't. Right? Yeah, you got a bunch of other busted flips, yeah, right? So that becomes a problem. Now, what you can do is just get it to a point where just put it on the market. Yes. Just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And that's probably mm-hmm. what your investor will agree to. Let's just close this one out. Let's just get it. Let's put it on the market. This is how I'd have that conversation. Look, you've got an idea for a number. I've got an idea for the number. But you know what? Neither one of our numbers make any sense because we ain't buying it, right? So let's just put it on the market and see what the market value of this thing is right now. You could, If you've got a larger property, say, on the west side of town, you could very likely... Have a sure no buyer. cabinets, but you know flooring's in, paint's done. That buyer type comes of thing. in, they pay cash because they want to rehab it anyway. Yep, you don't know what's out there right now. Yeah. There's a lot of market activity and very little inventory. Again, just understand where we're coming from. Is is if you are that real estate investor. You're in a really dark place right now. Yeah. It is not good. It is sucks to get up. You're freaked out. There's tons of anxiety. You're not answering your phone. It's all that craziness because you don't have the assets and the things you do and you thought were going to make you hundreds of thousands of dollars have now turned upside down. Mm-hmm. You've got to start addressing it. We'll happily have a conversation with you. 281-401-9008. Text us. You know, we're a little snarky here once in a while, <laughs> but we understand if, if you're in that pain right now, we certainly understand understand it. I more than anyone understand it because I did all the wrong things. When you got dumped by like half a dozen partners. Oh, my partners just took off for the hills. They were gone. I'm like the only one answering the phone calls. Yep. That more than anything else, that's a huge partnership lesson that I learned. Right. (laughs) These guys all just disappeared. They just disappeared. Where did they go? I don't have any money. Yeah. So when this is all said and done and everything was paid off, I'm doing a capital call. Oh, yeah. And then we can go and have some fun with that. But we're down to one investor left and one principal investor. So we're a couple houses that way from it. So I I feel that will be... I'm so excited because two of those houses are on the market right now. One yeah. of them's under contract. And if we get the green furniture out of the other one, I think that one will go on the market too. <laughs> so we'll be good there. And then we're looking at our fund as well. And we identified two properties in the fund we should probably sell. Yes. Right. And so that will create more capital and we can go deploy or we can have more capital reserves. Or So when you have these assets, you have a blessing. When you don't have the assets, you just have a really miserable existence. Well, probably the best way to put it is it's not an asset until the project's complete. Yes. So until that project is completely rehabbed, it's a liability. market ready, it's just a huge liability in your right. books. That includes any rental properties. Because here's the problem. If you're like, oh, Jason, I got this rental property and I have 20% equity in it. I'm like, you don't realize that equity until the property is complete. Right. Otherwise, it's just another distressed asset. And I could tell you, I've worked with real estate investors that have had hundreds of rental properties. In fact, one comes to mind that has, sure. has had thousands at this point. And a significant portion of that portfolio is distressed. It's so bad. HOAs are chasing after these people, right? So <laughs> those aren't assets. No, they're, they're liabilities. huge liabilities. Yeah. Now, he can turn them into an asset once they're all sold and the right. cash is then put into the checking account. Yeah, but don't fool yourself. Yeah, don't it's fool yourself. It's not an asset. It's not an asset. It's not an asset until it is on the market. Yep. At least that's my definition. I agree. And as a rental property, it's not really an asset until it's got a tenant in there that is paying. Yep. And that's another thing. If y'all have a large portfolio out there or you've got a handful of houses and the tenants aren't paying and you're ready to get rid of it, 
Just give us a call. Shoot us a text. 281-401-9008. We'll be happy to take a look at them and buy them, even with the terrible tenants in there that are not paying. Yep. We're willing to do that. We've got a fund that's able to sustain those payments until we can start doing evictions again. So just be aware that there are options out there, but hiding in the hole... Avoiding phone calls, right. being snarky on Facebook is not going to, it's not, I'm not calling out anybody in particular, but I, but I do know somebody's got some projects sitting out there, but they got a lot of time to talk trash on Facebook. So, you know, hiding from the lenders, hiding from borrowers and all that is just not going to work. Let's put together a plan here with a solution. Yeah. And I'll, I'll even take a little poke at some of the lenders who, who like to kind of not express the problems in the business, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, everything is great. Everything is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come on out. Everything's great. It's not great. It's, it's not work. great at all. The terms of the loan have dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. It's completely new dynamic six months after the start of COVID. Yes. And too many folks out there still think, and they're still searching for 2019. We have a lot of folks in our mastermind looking for 2019, and I'm like, it ain't 2019. Yeah, that left, guys. That's gone. It left in March. That's gone. And then the guys can do Facebook videos and all that other stuff trying to tell everyone it's still 2019, but it ain't. That's not. It's 2020. Now, here's this weird environment where are there submarkets that have experienced some, let me put it this way, there are markets that are collapsing. Vegas is collapsing. Miami's collapsing. Yep. Parts of Chicago are going San Francisco. Under. San Francisco. Luxury real estate in New York Oof. is completely imploding, yep. like 50% year over year. Those markets are imploding. But here you've got markets in Texas that are absolutely on fire. It's ridiculous yep. how yep. fast the properties are moving, how little inventory there is out there. Mm-hmm. But the loans are really hard to get. There was a story that I talked about it's either Wednesday or Friday last week on our weekly market update where this is loans have not been this difficult to close. It's like at a six year high. It is really hard. Hey, what we're coming back to do is we know that there are a lot of real estate investors in the Southern California market that have looked very hard at Texas and have made investments into Texas, some into apartments around Dallas when that was exploding about five or six years ago, some into low-income housing down here along the Gulf Coast, some into Austin, which is a very, very familiar to a Southern California market. And we're letting you know that we're going to bring our mastermind to Southern California this fall, that's fall of 2020. We think we're going to get some things, you know, that will get through the COVID crisis. We'll get back to somewhat normal and we'll do some of it on Zoom and some of it in person and some of it out here and some of it out there. But I would want to let you guys know that we are going to be talking to directly to a lot of California investors. So if you want to find out more about how you can invest in Texas, shoot us a text at 281-401-9008, and just put mastermind and CA, so I know you're from California, and we'll get back to you, and we'll just kind of talk to you about what we're looking for. The returns are still fantastic. We still believe the market will be strong. We still focus on that low-income housing, that uh, low price, under $150,000 price point, Still very much, you can find them right here in the city of Houston. And we have a mastermind. We already have some folks from California to come out, I don't know, about three, four times a year, and they're building out their portfolio here. So this is still a very strong market. And we want to put a little mastermind together, both online and in person, once we can become and get in the same room and be do it in person. But we're going to look to do that uh, very quickly here. So who we're looking for? 
We're looking for individuals that make over six figures a year, have a 700 or better FICO, and have capital to deploy. So if that's you, which is that's mostly everyone in Southern California, and you're interested in deploying some of that capital here into Texas to buy some properties you want to work with Mr. Texas Real Estate, again, 281-401-9008, text Mastermind CA, and we'll get back to you. Thanks for listening to Texas Real Estate Radio Network with Jason Bible. If you like what you just heard, please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Be sure to check out our website, TexasRealEstateRadioNetwork.com for more resources. Join us next time for another edition of Texas Real Estate Radio Network.